Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Equally Responsible Opinion Show. Uh, as Victor Greenwood, who's not on the show today, would like to say, two educated brothers on a couch. Because <laughs> we can't have him use that other word. Uh, but no, Kevin Figures made an appearance on the couch. Yeah, guess who's back. <laughs> yeah, glad to have him back here. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. A lot has happened over the last seven days. Uh, Tom Brady may or may not be retiring. Barry Bonds still on the Hall of Fame. And Riri is pregnant. What? Uh, we'll get into all that later, but of course, we got to start with what happened yesterday uh, over the weekend. NFL Championship Games. You, we, were, we went to your house and watched it. Yep. Uh, Bengals Chiefs, first quarter. Chiefs go down and score. You're thinking, okay, we know what this is. Yep. 21-3 going into the half. Okay, we know what this is. Cincinnati was a great story. Burrow, you'll be a great story. But the Chiefs somehow only scored three points. <laughs> in the second half and didn't score at all in overtime, uh, as we all know, which was very different from what they did last week against the Buffalo Bills. So before we get to the Rams game, uh, Figs, what was your opinion on the AFC Championship game last night where the Bengals pulled it out? It's been happening to Kansas City all season. Like, from even, not even game to game, but from half to half like you did in the AFC title game. Like, for whatever reason, they just would bog down offensively, whether it's Pat Mahomes just trying to hunt for the big play all the time, which is what it looked like in the second half. Because in the first half, it looked like Cincinnati was going after him a lot more aggressively. In the second half, they just kind of sat back. And Pat started doing his little run-around, scramble-around-the-pocket thing, and it just wasn't working for him. So uh, just an adjustment by Cincinnati defensively, basically just trying to trusting that Andy Reid is not going to run the ball, which he falls victim to all the time. Yeah, exactly. This has been one of the big criticisms. As great as he is, he just will not run it consistently. That he's going to dare you to run the ball. And they ran it well in the first half, but that's when they were kind of mixing it up a little bit more. Cincinnati, basically, when they just sold out and just backed up all their defenders, Kansas City was like, no, we're still going to throw the ball. So kudos to them uh, on that. And Pat Mahomes, I really don't blame him for the Super Bowl last year. He had no time to throw. The offensive line was banged up. Offensive line was totally fine in this game. I just got to give it up to Joe Burrow, who balled his ass off, who has been running for his life, who also has a terrible offensive line. Sacked nine times against Tennessee, kept on pushing. Uh, sacked, I think, four four times against the Raiders, won that game, and then sacked multiple times running for his life against Kansas City and still found a way to stay upright. So, yeah, y'all love Mahomes. He struggled. He's a great player, but Joe Burrow outplayed him. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it now, and it looks like Jarek McKinnon had 12 carries for 65 yards, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I was looking at like, where is that guy? Yeah. He had six carries for 36 yards, so, you know, both averaging over five yards a carry. And you're right, like, you think, like, oh, Mahomes can get the big home run, so we're going to continue to score. And our defense just has to sit back and really play prevent almost. Because yeah. yeah, uh, basically, like, after the Chiefs lost to the Bengals in the regular season, Jameer Chase went off on them. Three touchdowns. Yeah, 260-plus yards. Yeah, crazy amount. So, hey, we're going to keep that guy in check, which they did. Right. But then as you and I were watching yesterday, there's one guy who we knew the, his you know potential, his capability, and he proved it was T. Higgins. Yeah, Clemson. Like, yeah, Clemson guy. Like, won a national championship. Like, Big D1 program, mm-hmm. big body receiver, had two big catches in overtime for, yep. you know, eight and nine yards, which basically helped them get to field goal range to win it. And to me, it's like I get the story, and I think the best note that you and I saw from yesterday was if Joe Burrow were to win the Super Bowl, he'd be the first quarterback to win a national championship in college, the Heisman Trophy, and a Super Bowl, which I thought was so – Pretty insane, right? Yeah, because you think, like, it's the NFL is all about quarterbacks and the fact that – We've seen so many quarterbacks win the Heisman Trophy number one, right. and then so many quarterbacks as the Super Bowl MVP. Right. Some who 
I'm not going to say don't deserve it, but the one that, like, when I think of Peyton Manning winning Super Bowl MVP, where I was like, okay, he didn't do that great of a job. And even Dominic Rhodes that game. Yeah, and even Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Like, his, against the 49ers, was like, uh, his running back, Damian Williams, yeah, I believe, was, was, yeah. Damian Williams, yeah, yeah, was doing a lot of the heavy liftings, but we live in a quarterback-driven league, so mm-hmm. I think with Burrow being in the Super Bowl, that's only going to add more fuel to the fire for someone like Josh Allen. Yeah. Who, that, I mean, that would have been a great match to see, like, Mahomes versus Burrow was great. Allen versus Burrow would be great. You got to throw in Justin Herbert in there. Derek Carr and the Raiders. We'll get to them later. We'll see if they can, you know, ever make some waves. And, again, the whole Aaron Rodgers question mark. Right. Who knows? But uh, the big game that we watched yesterday that I think we were highly anticipated on was the Rams. Yeah. Uh, it's now happened two years in a row. The host city will have a team in the Super Bowl. The Rams won yesterday. Last second uh, field goal. Got an interception to clinch it. Yeah. But my biggest question is, what exactly does this mean for football in L.A.? Because, you know, you're a Raider fan. I grew up a Charger fan, but we both grew up in Los Angeles. I don't remember. the. I remember the Rams kind of being here, but not really. Definitely don't remember the Raiders being here. Yeah. But now that I said, like, I tweeted out, there's going to be a whole bunch of bandwagon Rams fans for the next two weeks. Right. You're going to start seeing every pop-up shot with every, like, Odell Beckham, mm-hmm. Vaughn Miller, Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup. Yep. You're going to see all this stuff. So my thing is, okay, if the Rams the, – the Rams have now made two Super Bowls in the last four years. Mm-hmm. And if they win this one at home in L.A. in this brand-new stadium where Tampa won it last year and Tampa Bay, but that was limited fans, right. what does this really do for the Rams? And overall, what does this do for football in Los Angeles? Oh, it's huge. Well, first of all, it's a huge step back to a degree for the Chargers, who I think actually gained a little ground in the city this past year. Uh, having a few more fans at home games than I think people expected. Still not a lot. Still getting, getting outnumbered. Uh, but you saw about the Rams, who already, by the way, had a built-in fan base. Now, at the time when the Rams and Raiders both left, uh, both fan bases were, were dwindling a little bit. Neither team was really doing exceptionally well, and there was always rumors about both of them potentially moving, which they ended up doing. But there's always been a lot of Ram fans that have remained out here. The idea of, well, there's so many 49er fans and they outsold the Rams at the stadium, which is to a degree true, but that happened before. If you lived here for any amount of time in Los Angeles for 20, 30 years, there's a lot of transplants from the Bay Area that live here. There are Facts. people that make the flights or the drive down. Facts. Uh, and so that's that was a regular occurrence. This is not Cleveland. This is not Cincinnati. This is not Boston. Like, with all due respect to those places and those franchises, with all, there's nothing else to do there. <laughs> so there's a lot of other options. And you had a, a generation of people that had no football who just grew up watching the Patriots or the Cowboys or whoever else who had to grow into. So the Rams basically have to cultivate and build a newer or newish fan base than what they had previously. So there's going to be a little bit of a struggle there. But making the Super Bowl twice in four years, hosting the Super Bowl at home, is going to make huge, huge inroads for them. They're, they're already the dominant team in the market from a standpoint of already living here in L.A. I think the Raiders are still going to be number one for at least another couple of years. But for the progress uh, that the Rams have made as far as inroads and getting more fans, younger fans especially, it's you, there's nothing to quantify. It yeah. really isn't because it's huge. Getting kids to say like, "Oh, the Rams moved back here," and within a couple of years, they're in two Super Bowls. One of them, at, one of which are at their home stadium. Yeah, and it's I think huge. it's. I think for that too, to piggyback off that, Matt Stafford, veteran, not gonna be here forever. Von Miller, veteran, probably not gonna be here forever. But when you have kids who can be like, "I remember wings," that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Like, as a growing up a Charger fan. And it's laughable when they, you know, I remember, I'll never forget, they did a whole Charger alumni game and 
they were like, now welcoming Natron Means. And like the whole crowd was just silent. Because that's what football is all about. It's like this tradition of passing yeah. things over. So the fact that you can do that with like a Jackie Slater or a Jack Youngblood. And now there's kids who could look at like, well, look at Aaron Donald. Or right. look at Cooper Cup. Yeah. Uh, and what happens with Odell Beckham? Like he's a rental, but... The way know. you never the way he's connecting and the way he loves the city of Los Angeles. What happens with him? Again, the one guy I wish was still playing, Robert Woods, who got yeah. hurt. He's an LA kid, right. went to SC, uh, and then also Cam Akers, who yeah. still a young running back, got hurt, and now like we thought he was done, season was over. Mm-hmm. He had those two crucial fumbles against Tampa Bay, but he's going to play a huge part. Yeah, they wouldn't have beat Arizona without him. Yeah, exactly. So I can't wait to see. What happens uh, as we move forward with the Super Bowl? But just to pick, like, just to go back on the game a little bit. I know a lot of people. Uh, I think it's, it's satisfying with LA that the Dodgers beat the Giants in the postseason yeah. and the Rams beat the 49ers. So Definitely. when all these people are saying, "Oh, well, the Rams don't control LA," I agree with that. And there are a lot of transplant transplants for the Bay Area. I think this just builds it even more because now you're like, "Hey, we beat them at home." I remember watching that. I want to be a fan. Right now, we have a rival like. Let's be. Let's keep it one hundred. Like the Chargers ain't ain't that. Like no. y'all y'all ain't fighting for the city of L.A. But now with like who knows how many L.A. fans, Rams fans in the future go travel to Santa Clara, right, to watch you know yeah. them play in Levi. Well, that's what it hurts because if the Chargers were in a game like that yesterday, that would have turned the tide somewhat in their favor to say that they could have played at home in SoFi Stadium with a dynamic young quarterback and, and building blocks and all that. So I do think it was big for for the Rams and negatively for the Chargers for that very reason. Yeah. Uh, but to your point, I think it's a good one, having stars that you can gravitate towards. Because I think one thing that's kind of, maybe it's not hurting the NBA, and maybe I'm old school, but perceptually, you can't really learn to love anybody because all these guys are just vagabonds, bouncing from team to team, seeing who I can team up with and win championships with. Like, I grew up a Laker fan. Lakers won in the bubble in 2020. It was great. I was happy. But I didn't feel as connected to that team as I did, say, even – the second go around with Kobe and Pau Gasol because a yeah. lot of those guys are homegrown guys, or you know, Kobe was a homegrown guy, Derek Fisher was, Trevor Ariza spent the bulk of his career. Yeah, you, know, you didn't, grow, you don't have much of a connection to a lot of the guys in the NBA to a degree because they move around so often. But the NFL, Aaron Donald has been a Ram his entire career and probably will be. He's not going anywhere. You know, Matthew Stafford, yes, came from somewhere else. So did Von Miller. But to your point, if we can actually have star players that are here, that win a championship, and then stay here. That's that's how you build a legacy, and that's how you get fans to end up following you. And I think the biggest thing, too, is it's a dope stadium that's not going anywhere. Right. Like, you, you think, like, oh, well, Jerry's World, AT&T. It's still holding up. Yeah. And I think with SoFi, when you put $6 billion into something, right. you know it's going to hold up. We went to a game earlier this year, and we're like, okay, the food needs to be yeah. worked on. Uh, parking needs to be worked on. Yeah. I think... Uh, activities or dining and entertainment pre and post game mm-hmm. need to be worked on. Right. But I think as it grows and as Inglewood continues to change, uh, Which is, yeah. you know, we can we can use that G word, gentrified. Oh, yeah. um, there's still it, a lot of construction to be done around that stadium. So there's not even close to being finished. And we have to still have the Clipper Stadium coming up in a couple of years. Oh, yeah. And, and my thing is the Super Bowl. I'm intrigued to see the Super Bowl and how L.A. reacts to it. With, it's in L.A., Let's see what happens when these people from Ohio come in right. and see how they act. Not to mention the you know big cloud hanging over the head of the Super Bowl, which is COVID. Yeah. Because as we watched the game last night, we noticed there was no one wearing a mask at right. SoFi Stadium. You know, and those are two teams in California with the same mandates. And you can say that San Fran, 
San Francisco might have stricter, stricter mandate for sure. than L.A. County. Yeah. And, and now you're bringing in people from Ohio. So that's another dynamic that is going to be in play off the field. Parties, restaurants. Yep. Uh, that, that's going to be a big thing, too, as, as we have these two weeks to dive into the Super Bowl. So let's just do it now as we you know tiptoe into the Super Bowl waters. Yep. Uh, what is your prediction so far? Rams are favored by three and a half by Vegas. Over, under, 50 and a half. So I, I'll be honest with you. I'm just going to give it to you. Rams are going to win. I just think they're going to win. Like the common denominator you look at is like, all right, well, the Bengals have a bad offensive line, and they're facing this tough defensive front. That's that's shown itself twice already in the playoffs. The one strength of Kansas City is their defensive line, and they got pressure. But he was able to run around and break out of it. Tennessee sacked him nine times, still found a way to win. Yeah. So uh, you would say, all right, you got Von Miller, Leonard, Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald. How the hell is he going to survive? He finds a way. I don't know. So <laughs> he keeps finding a way. So, um, this is actually a tough call because Cincinnati is one of those teams that you, that came out of nowhere. Nobody saw it coming, but you have a dynamic quarterback and weapons all over the field on offense. And I think the Rams showed a little bit of vulnerability at times, especially against better offenses, that you can move the ball on them. So, if I had to pick right now, I would pick the Rams. But I certainly wouldn't be surprised if Cincinnati found a way to win because they've surprised everybody by winning to this point. Yeah. Why the hell can't they win one more? I, I think the biggest thing for me is – we watched that game yesterday against the 49ers, and we saw the 49ers have the perfect game plan. Yeah. Yo, give the ball to Debo Samuel. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, get the ball out quickly. Give it to Brandon Ioke. Yeah. Give it to George Kittle. Get it out of your hands quickly and really force the Rams. We saw them switch to zone yeah. throughout that game. And I wonder with Jameer Chase, you already know, Jalen Ramsey's taking him. You would think the Rams have been weird this year. They, they don't put uh, they don't put Jalen Ramsey on the other team's best receiver. They move him around, which to me makes no sense because why do you have him there? What's the point in having the best corner if he's not going to take away the best receiver? Yeah, so true. It didn't matter as much for San Francisco because their best receiver is probably just their best player in Debo Samuel, good as George Kittle is. And Ayuk is just a speed demon. He's not really you know a go-to guy from that standpoint. The Niners are easier to defend in that you know – there's not a lot of secrets about what they're going to do. Yep. Uh, Cincinnati can hurt you in a lot of different ways because Joe Mixon can, you know, rip off 26 carries for 160 yards or Joe Burrow can throw the ball 70 times and throw for 400 yards or whatever like he did multiple times this season. So they're a little a little bit bigger of a threat for the Rams and not as predictable. Now, they're not as physical up front as the 49ers are either. Yeah. The Rams have had their issues this past year with teams that beat them up on the front line. Cincinnati's not going to do that, at least on the offensive side. Defensively, Cincinnati's defensive line, I think, is really underrated. And they can give the Rams some problems. As we saw at times, there was a couple of plays. Andrew Whitworth got worked over. That's true. He looked every That's bit true. of a 40-something-year-old man <laughs> playing offensive line in the NFL. So, But, yeah, if I had to put money on it right now, I, I would go with the Rams, but I reserve the right to change my opinion. I think, you know, with Cincinnati, like, they're tired of being the underdog. They played so hard. But with the Rams, like, you saw after Aaron Donald got that pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo and he threw that – game ceiling interception uh that the Rams got and he Aaron Donald started points that ring finger I want that ring I want that ring uh, I think there's so many guys who have a chip on their shoulder obviously number one Matt Stafford right. number two would probably be Aaron Donald three I think Von Miller oh Odell Beckham Odell Beckham because sure. they said he was washed Cooper Cup has a chip because he wasn't on that Super Bowl team right. that went into he, he got injured and now he's back in you know, Robert Woods, so that you can even say the Rams don't have their two best receivers, like yeah. our most consistent receivers in system uh, in receivers. So right now I'm going with the under, cause like you said, I think Mixon and Akers are, are going to be uh, under, under reported Absolutely. and they'll like control the ball. And I think as much as we talk about Burrow and Stafford and Jameer Chase and Odell Beckham and pass, 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 running the ball is part of it. 
And if if it's a tight game and the Rams can get pressure on Burrow, who knows if you try to give the ball to Joe Mixon or, right. or even uh, P. Ryan's hands yeah. to control the clock and control the tempo. Yeah. The chip on the shoulder thing is interesting because a lot of times you see a team that's this talented, it's like, oh, it's a bunch of guys. They've won before. They're trying to do one last go at it. You think of like the Shaq, the Shaq Kobe, Malone, Peyton, Lakers or whatever. <laughs> like, let's get, gear up for one more run. But a lot of these guys, to your point, have so much to prove. Matthew Stafford had one squat. Yeah, he hasn't won a playoff game. Odell Beckham had one squat. Yep. Aaron Donald sure has been to the Super Bowl, but hasn't won one. And they're all the rallying cry now is winning for Aaron. That's what Von Miller said. Von Miller says, I've been there before. I reached the pinnacle. I want to get back there again because Denver gave up on me. So all Ooh, of these dang. guys have something to prove. <laughs> he threw Denver in there. Yeah, so it's not, like, it's not like it's just like, oh, they're a talented team that are all thrown together just trying to win. It's like, yes, they're a talented team. A lot of Hall of Famers. But all these guys have something to prove, and it means something for them. And I, I was telling my mom this yesterday, a huge listener of the show. Uh, I said if Aaron Donald wins the Super Bowl, not necessarily Super Bowl MVP, but if he gets the Super Bowl, first ballot Hall of Fame. Oh, he's first ballot either Bro, way. I, I think so, too. But this yeah. is, like, legitimate, like, yeah. no, here's your stamp to Canton. Yeah. Like, because, what, three-time defense player? Three-time defense player of the year. He's been an all-pro the last six years, I Boom. think. He's made the Pro Bowl every year of his career. He could retire now, and I guarantee we'd be a Hall of Famer. Boom. But this would be the, the icing on the cake for him, you know. Especially bringing the championship to L.A. Yes. and so far. And a big thing, too, that we'll have to look out for, and we'll probably talk about this on the upcoming podcast, if the Rams were to win, what do those parades look like? Because right. I know for the Lakers, it always started at the Coliseum and then ended at Staples. So how is that going to work with it being in Inglewood? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> like, that's a lot of neighborhoods you have to go through. But um, speaking about people retiring uh, – Tom Brady reportedly, uh, according to multiple multiple sources, Tom Brady has retired uh, at the age of 44. He has not confirmed this. His dad and his agent came out and said those reports are untrue, but he spent 22 years in the league. So I'll just say, like, I don't know why he would step down unless it's got to be something internally with the organization. Maybe he doesn't like the pieces that are coming out, but he led so many categories in passing this year as someone that's 44 years old. That he's thrown so many touchdowns, I think he'd be the first player to play at 45 years old. If you're Sounds a play, about right. If you're to play next year, I, I, I'm not saying I don't believe the reporting because I do. I do believe in the accuracy uh, of it for the people who have given it out. But in terms of Tom Brady, until I hear it from the horse's mouth, yeah. or until I see it on Instagram or Man in the Arena, yeah. <laughs> Arena now he closed. He has his radio show that he does with Jim Gray every week, and I think it's every Tuesday. So we should, we would know here within the next couple of days if he's going to address it there. I think it's just that if you look and listen to his post-game press conference, or whether it was his end-of-season press conference, one of them after the Bucks lost to the Rams, he said, you know, I have to talk about my family and spending time with my children, and I'm 45. Like, he just, he started speaking in ways that he, he usually doesn't. You know, it was only two years ago he was, like, talking about playing to the age of 50. Yeah. But, so I think experience and your kids and all that stuff, you know, changes the way that you think and changes your outlook, so... I think he's truly conflicted as to what he wants to do. Yes, he did lead the NFL in passing touchdowns and passing yards, but does he want to go through the grind of a camp all over again and go through this and end up and get tackled by Aaron Donald and possibly <laughs> have injuries? I don't. You can TB12 and avocado shake me all you want, but you're still human. You're still pushing 50. Yeah. So you get hit, you're not going to heal as quickly as you did when you were 34. Yeah. To where you are at 44. So I think all this stuff are things that he's thinking about. Um, so I, I tend to just go with the reporting as well, legit reporting, that he's probably going to hang it up. He could he could change his mind, and I'm sure the Bucks are probably open to the, leaving the door open for that to possibly happen too. Um, but if I, my money's on him probably calling it a career at this point in time. And it's also, it would suck because he's not going out like a John Elway yeah. on top on top. Right. But, I mean, if you retire, 
having the most touchdown passes in the entire league and the most yards you've ever thrown for in your career at 44 years old. There's, there's other, there's worse ways to go out. You don't believe me? Look at how Dan Marino's career ended. Hey, I think that, and I think I think it was interesting too when you look at players who retired after winning the Super Bowl. It's like John Elway retired, but he also won Super Bowl MVP. Yes. Like Jerome Bettis, who won in Detroit, said, hey, the bus stops here. It was his hometown. Right. He didn't win MVP. Peyton Manning didn't win MVP. So for Brady, last year to win it, he could have possibly been like, hey, this is it. I went without Belichick. Uh, my career is obviously cemented as the GOAT. I'm, I'm out. But now it's like, I think he comes back because I'm like, why would you leave uh, the Saints with Sean Payton not being there? The Panthers, you know, don't really have a franchise quarterback. Right. Uh, who, it's the problem is that, like, it, for him, for an individual, the external factors don't matter. Yeah. So, like, it's like, okay, it makes sense. Maybe it'll be easier to win the division. Maybe it's like, maybe I just don't feel like waking up and doing all the rehab and all the training. That's what players say. Kobe Bryant said it before he retired. These guys just, the, the preparation to get your body right just to perform on that day, that's the stuff that people don't see, and that's really all the hard work. And maybe he just doesn't want to do it anymore. Yeah, I maybe mean, he wants to be there to take his kids to school and do all that other stuff. You know, I, I think that's stuff that has to be factored in. Yes, the division might be winnable. Yes, you could win twelve games again and go to the playoffs next year. But maybe he just doesn't feel like playing. Yeah. So that, that's that that's the thing. I don't think the individual players really take into account all of the other stuff, the outside factors, who the opponents are, who the coaching staff is. Now, if you're if it's close to pushing you over the edge, like say Bruce Arians wanted to retire. And Tom could say, like, you know what? I really don't want to start over with another coach. I think if I, if I was edging one way or the other, this pushed me out the door. Yeah, I got you. Uh, but I, that's not going to happen. So this is solely going to be up to him. And I, and I honestly think that he's he's taken all of the off-field and just, just general life stuff into account outside of playing football for the first time. I, I think that, too. And it's like, I think he can be one of those guys who, I mean, it's Tom Brady. You can do whatever you want. And you can basically say, hey, I'm going to take – a year off from football, two years off from football. And then as you said, he could do the podcast thing, you know, man in the arena. He could do the production thing. Oh, yeah. I'm sure, you know, as someone who went to the University of Michigan, he has multiple options when it yeah. comes to venture capitalism, speaking of Kobe, right. what he was doing. So who knows what Tom, what the next step is for Tom Brady outside the football field, but he's going to have a plethora yeah. of things to do outside uh, of there. I ain't worried about him moving forward. He's, uh, he's already doing the TV 12 stuff. He already does the, the podcast radio show with Jim Gray. And that's just scratching the surface while he's still playing. Oh, and by the way, I'm retiring from football to spend more time with my wife, who's a supermodel. Exactly. Yeah, it, yeah. Uh, it's hard for me to shut no a tear. Yeah, no, no small violins over yeah. here. We'll uh, be fine. Uh, but no, but someone who I, I do have a little sympathy for as we switch to a whole other sport, when we look at baseball, uh, Baseball Hall of Fame only voted one person in. That was yep. David Ortiz. There will be no Barry Bonds, no Roger Clemens. I, I don't – it's a small tier – but I think when you look at Barry Bonds and you look at his numbers and what he did for baseball, I just, I don't understand how you can not have him in the Hall of Fame uh, besides just him not being likable by the media. Right. Uh, all like all respect to Big Poppy, David Ortiz, you know what he which when you remember like those Boston teams, it's obviously him when you like you think of him as the face and no one messes with our bleeping city right. like all that stuff. But I just got to say, like, I really do believe it's a lot of sports writers who like David Ortiz and they got him in. Because my, Again, I go back to 
just not even the steroids that he was caught with in 2003. 2003. Yeah, yeah, 2003. It's supposed to be a blind study that got linked out. Yeah, and it's like, oh, well, they were steroids, but not really steroids and all that type of stuff. I still think, well, what about DH? Like, I know he played some first base, but then... He was mostly a designated hitter. Yeah, he didn't didn't play the field. Exactly. So, for him to get, what, 77? 77%. And you need 75, yeah. And the fact that Barry Bonds, who at one point in his career was a great fielder, uh, Roger Clemens, great pitcher... I, I don't know. I, I just think baseball, in a lockout as well, they yeah. just seem to be digging that grave a little bit, yeah. you know, for, deeper. So Yeah, what hurts them, like, first of all, David Ortiz, the thing that hurts him against Barry and Roger Clemens, for me, is he's he literally came out of nowhere. He was a guy that was a terrible player with Minnesota, flamed out, just signed a, a ho-hum free agent contract with Boston, and then all of a sudden his career turned around completely. Roger Clemens was a phenomenal pitcher, then fell off, then had a resurgence that had all the steroid allegations. Barry Bonds was a phenomenal player who just happened to turn into a phenomenal power hitter. Right. Because, if you want to believe the rumors, wasn't getting his shine because of the Sosa-McGuire thing. He decided to start roiding and get more power and all that. Those guys were great players before any particular suspicion of steroids even came up. David Ortiz, if you want to believe that he was juicing or not, is just very it's very uh, interesting to me how he can just leave Minnesota from being, just being completely awful and then wind up in Boston and turn into a phenomenal player. Yeah. The problem that baseball had, maybe it's a problem for some, maybe not for others, they do kind of have a morals clause where they tell you to take into account somebody's moral character when you vote him into the Hall of Fame. But even that flies in the face of Joe DiMaggio was beating his wife. Yeah. You know, Ty Cobb was a, one of the biggest racists you ever <laughs> could ever meet in your life. Right. You know, Barry Bonds, giant asshole. Nobody will ever deny that. But based on his play on the field, how could you ever deny that he's one of the best players in the history of the sport? If not the best player in the history of the sport, at least from a hitting standpoint, Roger Clemens is one of the greatest pitchers in the history of the sport. Right. You know, I've always subscribed to, I think Bob Costas has a great idea. If you're putting somebody from that era in, you put maybe not an asterisk, but you can put an asterisk next to their name and say, look, people that played within this 15 to 20 year period or whatever it was, there was a cloud of suspicion of steroids surrounding it. Uh, but this person deserves to be in because of the contributions they made to the game. Yeah. That's all you have to do. But the fact that Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are not in the Hall of Fame is embarrassing. I think... It's not a real Hall, it's not a real hall of Fame, to be honest, to yeah, you ask me. Because it goes back to, like, I've I seen this tweet a thousand times after it was announced that those two would not be making it. Barry Bonds, all-time home run leaders, not in the Hall of Fame. Roger Clemens, most strikeouts, not in the Hall of Fame. And then Pete Rose, yeah. for a totally different reason, the right. all-time hits leader, not in the Hall of Fame. Right. So the three things you kind of look out most... For each position, mm-hmm. they're not in the Hall of Fame for. How can you really account for that? And I, my favorite part about the steroid era is I like Andy Pettit. Andy Pettit came out and said, "Look, if someone that you, if someone got caught juicing, a Rod, Alex Rodriguez, probably never getting to the Hall of Fame, yeah. got caught, admitted to got it, caught twice. By yeah, the way. if if he hit a home run after me, off of me, I want that taken off my record. And yeah. I agree with that. Like, I get it. Yeah. Home, home runs given up. No, take however many a Rod, ten, fifteen, whatever." Take that off mine, and then, like, what do, what do my records look like? True. I, I do want to see that, but I think baseball, with the lockout, with this Hall of Fame induction, they're not building the sport. When you talk about the Rams, you have young fans, and yeah. they're able to gravitate to these young players. Uh, you know, I'm biased with a Padre fan, Fernando Tatis Jr. He's the face of the game, but you need that and to look up and be like, well, this guy did this, and he's on the Hall of Fame, and, oh, look, they're not even playing. What, like, That's why is baseball, though, right? Yeah. It's been baseball for years. That's why they're lagging behind. That's why their viewership continues to drop, at least on a national level, every single year. That's why they don't relate to younger fans. They're so resistant to change in every single aspect. It's, it's sad. 
You know, it's funny. I, I'm a I'm in the process of uh, of reading uh, C.C. Sabathia's memoir, and he talked about the steroid era and guys that he had to face and all that. And uh, he was talking to I forget one of his teammates. I forget exactly who it was, an old head. But he was basically like, I played against enough guys who I knew for a fact were taking steroids who are completely trash. Uh, so you can't <laughs> tell me that guys, maybe guys that took roids got 12% better or something. Yeah. But generally speaking, nobody went from just being completely god-awful to being amazing. You know, because even David Ortiz, I talked crap about him in Minnesota. He had power. Yeah. He wasn't as consistent. He had some decent power to him. Uh, but all these guys who took steroids, if they were a great player, they were a great player regardless. I think it's interesting because when I hear about steroids, because I think, you know, Victor who's not here, he always asks, like, well, is it illegal? Like, are steroids illegal? Or would you ever take steroids in your own, you know, personal workout? And you and I worked out yesterday. I'm barely getting on the fence of pre-workout. And I make sure my pre-workout mix is, you know, non-stimulant, no caffeine, because I don't want that. So I'm not taking steroids just for my personal growth. I just know... Well, for, there's no point in us. The hell are we taking steroids for? I want to be Jack, bro. Yeah, I'm not trying to go, am I doing like a stage competition or something? I, I have no desire to, to do any of that. The side effects are not, it's not worth it for me. No, I agree with you on that. And But then I think also like the benefit when you talk about like, it's not going to turn you from, you know, puny, I'm hitting, you know, blank, I can't see the ball, hand-eye coordination, but you're going to play really well if you have the talent. The big thing is, how you're going to do when you're recovering, as you said. Well, and that's what it's for. Yeah. It aids in recovery more than anything. Uh, no, I agree with you on that one. Yeah, it aids you in your recovery. So that's the big misnomer about steroids is that, oh, if you take steroids, you're going to get super juiced and super jacked. But most guys will tell you, you know, especially in baseball, because baseball more than any other sport is why it makes the most sense because yeah. it's a grind. It's 162 games. You're playing every single day, sometimes four days, five days, seven days in a row even. Um, guys, especially pitchers, they'll tell you pitchers, relief pitchers, they're the ones more so than the outfielder who's trying to get more power, hit home runs, those relievers who have to pitch multiple times in a week, they're the ones who are roiding. <laughs> and the ones who he could look like some scrawny nobody, he's like who's just a really punching Judy regular reliever, those are the ones who need to be most suspicious of, not this big-time slugger who's having a breakout season hitting 55 home runs. And, I, and that's the misnomer that people don't fully understand. And don't you remember, like, we can go back and look at the steroid era and be like, remember when people, like, basically had, like, the Maude Flanders think of the children yes, line yeah. like well if mark mcguire and sammy sosa are doing steroids who knows how many high school kids are going to do steroids it's like not curtis yeah, yeah, like exactly. I, I don't want to do know where to get steroids thank you that's now, what i'm saying now, certain people in certain communities with certain connections sure but honestly i don't think that was the reason to put them over the top it, no it probably would have happened anyway these helicopter parents you're breaking their kids arms so they can get tommy john surgery when they don't need to <laughs> Those crazies are going to be out there regardless. <laughs> that has nothing to do with what, you know, baseball is endorsing or not. Um, I, I also have to say, like, when as a high school kid at 15, 16, I wouldn't know where to get anabolic steroids. Right. But at the same time, I've been watching a lot of Euphoria. And I, <laughs> I didn't realize kids could just get heroin and meth easily, too. Well, so you know, uh, that's not the right people there. Yeah, that's, what it is. that's not me because yeah. uh, my mother would have killed me. Oh, uh, yeah. But speaking of someone who's about to be a mother, uh, we saw some photos today that Rihanna, wow. uh, Riri, Miss Fendi, is uh, pregnant. Her and a, bo- a boyfriend, I think. I don't think I they're don't, engaged. Are they, are they in a relationship, though? Because I feel like neither, neither of them have ever said anything officially. There's photos that pop up here and there, but they're like, are they just hanging out? Are they just, you know, you know what buddies? Or like, what what's the, what's the situation? Hey, well, Rihanna's pregnant, and I, like, look, I know a lot of dudes are probably hurt by this news. I yeah. think it's kind of cool because... One, she's a billionaire, like right. her Fendi line. Yep. Great musician, good actor, good actress. Uh, but now to see her, I wonder um, how how much we're going to see of her child in the spotlight. 
Right. I think there are some parents, like, you see a lot of Blue Ivy. like Which is kind of surprising because I thought you weren't going to see as much of her as you have. Not that's that what she's I thought, too. every single day, but more often than I would have thought that Jay-Z and Beyonce especially, who's super private, uh, more, more of her than we thought we would. Yeah, I agree. So, I thought, I think it's pretty cool. You know, shout out Rihanna, you know, ASAP Rocky. It's going to be, I think this is going to be on everyone's blog and oh, all yeah. that stuff moving forward because the first thing that people said was oh she ain't making no album anytime soon like that was when like like she's been hitting out an album release but well, who, who knows? knows how much she, yeah. she can have all of it in the can by now these people record things a year or two years in advance so her album could be done for all we know so, um I, yeah it's pretty cool I mean it's uh I didn't wasn't expecting it to be completely honest with you and of all the dudes that she's been linked with and connected with and dated over the years you know I I guess ASAP Rocky was not the one I would have Suspected? No. Or or expected? I thought Matt Kemp. That's how it Back gone then, with. yeah. Matt, I mean, I mean, maybe. I mean, who has she been linked to recently? Like, I know Leo hurt. Like, maybe they were together. Maybe they weren't. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. Uh, but the one thing I will say is, I'm trying to think now with Rihanna, who's the now it girl? Because I remember like when Umbrella came out. Not even Umbrella. Like, um, when she first came into the U.S., she was like that that yeah. young teen pump like sensation. And then we saw her grow and become the artist and, you know, let's say idol that she's become. Who's now that young it girl? And I, I was thinking maybe like... I don't know. Is it Ariana? Because I know she's married. Uh, but even Doja Cat. She's been around for a while, Ariana. Yeah. Already. Not that she's old, but she's been around. Doja uh, Cat's new. Uh, Megan Thee Stallion's have her, is having her moment in the sun the last there you three go. years. That's probably, that's probably... She just graduated... Wow. All that type of, just graduated from uh, TSU, I believe. Right. So yeah, she's doing things. Yeah, <laughs> I want to. I want to see, but like, I'm happy for Rihanna. Happy for ASAP Rocky. Yeah. And that's from like a hip hop standpoint too. There's still like a you know, uh, what's the uh, Billie Eilish? I guess is a pretty big name in the music industry too. Yeah. She's young. Yeah. There's this other JoJo something. I don't know her name, but apparently she's a big deal. She's a singer. I, so, I'm I, so old. Her name is again. JoJo something. I have no idea. I've been JoJo wa- something. I've been watching Euphoria, and I re- like when I watch Euphoria, I'm like, this has to be just an over-traumatization of what high school is, because yeah. as I watch this show, this cannot happen in real life. Like, I'm sorry. Is I don't it know- like the, it's, the, it's the high school equivalent of a Playmakers, the old Playmakers TV show on ESPN? See, at least the guys with- shooting up heroin in the locker <laughs> room and all that? At least with Playmakers and Law & Order, I could respect because they were just ripping stuff out of the headlines. Yeah. Like, I remember they did a whole episode about steroids. And, like, they did a whole episode about there's this really good running quarterback in Atlanta. I'm like, oh, wow. I wonder yeah. what quarterback that could be, Michael Vick. Right. Um, but I, so I respect that Euphoria is just like, where are you getting this from? Like, when you watch the show, it's a... I, if you and haven't I watched have already... I haven't seen episode yet, so... Oh, you gotta watch it. Yeah, I've not seen it. To me, it's intriguing because I feel like Hollywood always does the most where it's trying to showcase what you think you're missing out of Correct. and what high school was supposed to be. Yeah. So when you go back and say, well, what movie do you really resonate with when it comes to high school? The one that always pops up in my mind is people will say The Breakfast Club. Because mm-hmm. that's like, you have the you know the stuck-up girl, uh, you have the jock, you have the nerd, you have the rebel, uh, the emo girl. Mm-hmm. You have all that stuff, and that's what everyone can relate to some character in that movie. But that movie came out in the 80s. Right. So that came out 30-plus years ago. And right. now you're looking at kids going to high school now. Even when you and I were in high school, flip phones – not flip phones. Video phones were just becoming a thing. Right. We we were still on MySpace, and I remember my senior year of high school in 2007. Shout out Black Planet. <laughs> See, um, I was too young for Black okay. Planet. All right, yeah. We, had that, we were always in the Black Planet days for your boy. <laughs> but, to, like – Facebook was a thing when I graduated high school. Like I remember my freshman year of college is when I got my Facebook. And that mm-hmm. seems like an eternity it ago does. when people had that. 
And now you're looking at Snapchat and TikTok, which yeah. I still don't understand. I Instagram, don't. all that stuff. I just got TikTok last week, and I opened it up randomly, and like after about two or three like swipe throughs, I'm like, I I can't do this. Yeah, I do not want to see a 14 year old Millie rock. Like that doesn't do anything for me. Like I don't, I don't get <laughs> that, it. To bring it full circle, like I I know we talked about like oh the Bengals it's a cool story Joe Burrow, but there were a lot of people rooting against the Chiefs. And yeah. I was like, I was kind of reading, like, I wanted to see Mahomes versus Stafford, Rams, Chiefs. I just thought, yeah, entertainment. Yeah, from a cachet standpoint, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. but this, there were a lot of people who were not liking the Chiefs just based on Patrick Mahomes' brother and, and his, his TikToks. Yeah, yeah, Brittany, Brittany Mahomes. I don't even know if she's Mahomes yet. I, I think they're engaged. I don't know if they're married. Yet. But on TikTok, and oh, I don't like them because they're doing all these dances. I'm like, isn't that everyone on TikTok? I like, know it is. Yeah. Isn't that what people are doing, no, is problem, dancing? The, the problem is, you know, Pat hates it. <laughs> At least you think he does. The problem—he's in all the videos. He just sits there looking deadpan. I don't know. Maybe, and maybe they've all just sat and collaborated and discussed this. Hey, Pat, you just look really annoyed, and we'll just do our thing. But I think a lot of people are turned off by that. The fact they said, "Pat, why are you allowing this to happen?" And some people are pissed at him, pissed off at him for that. I think it's crazy to me that. I look at TikTok, like the same way I look at Euphoria, where I'm like, it's a great show. Sam Levinson, the guy who I think is director, producer, writer, executive producer, doing a really good job. Drake has, you know, produced it. Right. Zendaya, Zendaya, excuse me, whatever wish pronounces it. Uh, she's phenomenal job as the narrator. They do have a lot of non-binary characters, LGBTQ characters, characters of color. So they're pro- like, we're progressing in the storyline of not just white suburban kids going to high school and like, hey, this is what everyone's experience should be like. Right. Uh, and who knows if we'll see that at the next level with college because I know there's a lot of films like that as oh, well. yeah, of course. But I, I suggest everyone watch it uh, just because it's such an intriguing look. And you got to say to yourself, man, these kids probably are going through this. And uh, I remember watching the, um, what was the movie, the, the Netflix documentary where it was all about social media and how it was affecting people. The social experiment. Yeah. Social project, something like that. Yeah, and they had the guy who invented the like button for Facebook. Right. And he's like, we didn't realize how many teenage girls Mm -hmm. were going to feed or get uh, like lower self-esteem just based off of someone liking or not liking a photo. And and now you you put that into, this is something that's going to last forever. Like we were probably one of the last generations where we could say like, we got away with this and it wasn't on you know, tape or social media or records. Yep. Um, but now everything it's already like, working. It's already working against people. Like they, they, they go to your social media accounts for when they, when you apply for a job or all that stuff is part of the regular process. Now it's, it's a, it's a completely different uh, space out there, you know? Um, but these uh, kids, these, you know, these kids Pat today, Ma- Pat Mahomes, you do your thing with your brother and your wife. You know what I mean? Um, so, I mean to say this, though. I mean, that's the thing, too. It's like how everyone is on social media and the potential payout and what is the fallout. And, you know, we look at it from a standpoint of influencers and how they are able to profit and benefit off of things. But we never really focus on the companies because so many of these companies are so closely linked together. Right. Like, you know, you had Instagram, who we thought was going to overtake Snapchat, which it did. Mm -hmm. But then once it did, Facebook purchased it and and now they're having not just facebook now it's the metaverse where mark zuckerberg and his team at facebook are trying to make this huge thing and when you look at what we've seen in 2020 with the election and misinformation uh and all that and how much did russia and all that in our personal data and just all that stuff is very intriguing but the biggest story over the last couple weeks was the musician neil young talking about he was removing his music from spotify and if you're listening to this I don't, I don't feel the need to take this podcast off of Spotify, not because I agree with Joe Rogan or not because I don't agree with Neil Young or Joni Mitchell, who's pulling their things, but 
this gives us an opportunity to voice our opinion and say something like, hey, Joe Rogan, you're spreading misinformation. Right. Like, when if you ever listen to this show, Victor and I, the one thing we always say is get vaccinated, wear the mask, get boosted, because we're tired of being in this pandemic for going on year two. We're over this. And when you have someone like Joe Rogan, who does have a big audience on the platform of Spotify, something that we're on, why can't we get that audience with our numbers and our point of view and our facts and counterbalance that not saying it's both sides or both views but he is expressing freedom of information yes but it's wrong information yeah and it's only on one side that's the problem too at at the very least if you're going to give a platform to these doctors and you don't see me doing air quotes when I say (laughs) doctors who are spouting out all this BS and we know that it is yeah at least get legitimate people on there that know what they're talking about too to at least offer a different perspective and that's what a lot of people and so Spotify earlier today, you know, said they're going to start basically putting disclaimers on podcasts like Joe Rogan saying, you know, like, here's a disclaimer. This is not, we don't necessarily agree with everything that's being said here. Search, seek out your own information. And they got not only did they get pressure from Neil Young, but the Royals or former Royals who have a business stake in Spotify, they have podcasts that they produce. They have a podcast that they've, they've either started or are going to start soon. And I think they have an ownership stake, but I'm not 100% oh, sure. Oh, you're talking about Megan and Prince no, Harry. No, sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Megan and Harry. Yeah, they, they came They raised this thing about it. And I think that's kind of what got... Because they're business partners with Spotify, just like Joe Rogan is. Yeah. It's one thing, and Neil Young is a very popular artist from way back in the day, but with all due respect to him, a lot of his audience is a lot of older people who probably don't even know how to use Spotify. Exactly. So <laughs> I really don't know how, how hard the reach or how hard the impact is on that. Uh, but with Harry and Megan, somebody you have a business interest with, who you can make money with, are telling you... This is wrong. We might take action. That's what Spotify decided to, you know what? Joe, we're not going to take Joe down, which they probably shouldn't. I am for free speech, but to a certain degree, you have to be able to tell people, like, he has a right to say what he wants, but right. just do your own research and don't take his word as gospel because a lot of the stuff he is saying is basically BS. And I think there's a plethora of things here as well. I think, one number one, I was thinking to myself, Neil Young, Johnny Mitchell, who would be the big artist to take their stuff off? Which then led into, well, who still owns their own music? Because right. as, as we discussed before, you know, we're both huge Prince fans. And Prince were still alive today and said, I want to take my music off Spotify. Purple Rain, he doesn't own. Yeah, he doesn't own that. Too. So I was trying to think, would you go with someone like, the first artist that came to my mind who's still alive, who I thought maybe would still own their own masters, who would be a big deal, was Bruce Springsteen. Correct. Like, if he pulled all his he music off. He would be the first person. He's as left leading hard liberal as it gets. Right. If he yeah. pulled his stuff off of Spotify, like, how many people would be like, all right, I'm not paying $10 for this. And so he's so big, cross-generational, cross-races, like, I, people in every, I love Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> I grew up in South Central LA, and I love Bruce Springsteen. So, you know, that... If he were to say something or do something, that would have that would be made a large, major impact. Yeah, because I was thinking like, well, how many like if, if Drake did it? I think Drake was Absolutely. the most streamed artist on Spotify. Right. But then I thought, are a lot of people who listen to Drake are they paying that nine ninety nine, ten ninety nine, whatever it is a month for Spotify right. premium? premium yeah. Are they paying that? Are they can they get the new Drake hit somewhere else, True. Um, like an iHeart or Pandora or Apple Music or something like that? And then the other thing I thought of too was. This cancel culture idea that we have, mm-hmm. and it, I, I hate the fact that we're bringing this up again because I feel like we've had this conversation so many times. I know. And I love when people say that, wow, these people really want to be oppressed because mm-hmm. I really feel like Joe Rogan and Aaron Rodgers, like you guys really want to be oppressed. Like right. when you have Aaron Rodgers say, I sought the information and advice of Joe Rogan right. and I feel like I'm being silenced for my views. You can't say you're being silenced. When you literally have a platform after every game to speak. You're standing on a podium in front of, 
a couple of dozen reporters, and more importantly, in front of an entire nation of people that are streaming, watching, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm in a nation, an entire yeah. world. Like, yeah. like NFL.com is putting that up on their website. And then when you look at what happened in Tennessee, where there's a graphic novel called Muse that I had never heard of until now, they voted, you know, Tennessee uh, said it was too racy of a story, but it's all about the Holocaust. And you look at, there's a school district in Wisconsin that is saying that their ninth grade freshman high school class does not have to read To Kill a Mockingbird. And there's, you see all these bills, the governor of Virginia, the new Republican governor saying, giving out a hotline to parents to say like, hey, you can call this number if you believe your child is learning critical race theory and, and all this stuff that's going on. And like, that's my thing. It's like, I'm not going to take this podcast. And I, I haven't spoke to Victor about this. This is you know, like coming out of left field for you as well. But why should we have to like take our stuff down when we have a different opinion, when we need to make it known that like not everyone who puts a podcast on Spotify feels like Joe Rogan exactly. or feels like yeah. anyone else who might be leaning that right way. And like, again, if you ever want to have a conversation about critical race theory, I bring anyone on this show who of wants course. to discuss it. Right. And not, that's number one. And then number two, show me someone who's been canceled that didn't deserve to be canceled. Yeah. And how are they really hurting? Like there's a difference between being blackballed and being canceled. And it feels like there's so many people out there who want to be canceled. And the third point, and this is the last thing I'll say about it, the people who are saying that they're tired of cancel culture and that liberals are snowflakes are the first ones to complain about something that makes them uncomfortable. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, what is non-binary? What is critical race theory? What is they, them? What are pronouns? It's like, why are you complaining about something if you're supposed to be so masculine, so, like, uh, against everything? I don't understand it. So, with that being said, we would love it if you guys share this podcast uh, and please let us know how you feel on our social medias. And Joe Rogan, if you're somehow listening, we would love to come on your show. Yeah, by all means. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, that's basically all we got for uh, this week. We'll probably do another podcast. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about with NFL being here in L.A. So, uh, you know, Victor on the camera, me on the GoPro, Figs. You know, we'll probably be driving around the city of Los Angeles looking at this rule. All over the place. Oh, yeah. Seeing how Inglewood is going to do it. Maybe sneaking into some NFL uh, Super Bowl parties. Probably not, but... I you never know. Just why? <laughs> act like you've been there. Act like you belong. That's how you get in. Oh, I'm going to just walk in and just see what happens. Uh, mask on. I'm yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I can't take my mask off. Here's my Vax card. Just let You're me like, in. You're like, oh, it's uh, Russell Wilson. Come on in. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you got taller? Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, Figs, where can people find you on social media? Find me on Twitter. That's where I am the most. At KFig1 is where you can find me on Twitter. Hit me up. You can find the show at The Eros Podcast. That's T-H-E-E-R-O-S Podcast. That's on Twitter, Instagram. We are on TikTok. You can find me at Chillin' with Kurt on Twitter, Instagram. And I'm also on TikTok. Not on there often. But uh, as we said, if you guys like the show, don't like the show, want to raise an issue with it, please hit us up. And we'll definitely talk about it the next time uh, that we sit down and do this podcast. And send the link to Joe Rogan. Yeah, send the link to Joe Rogan. But until then... Get vaccinated, get boosted, and continue to wear a mask so we can finally get out of this pandemic. And keep your distance. Stay away from me. <laughs> That's facts.